This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, filling in for Joe Giglio on a Friday night. We'll get back to talking to Eagle, talking Eagles in a little bit here, take your calls. Uh, but right now, switch over to basketball. I want to talk a little Sixers, and we bring on... Uh, Sixers beat reporter for the Philly Voice, Kyle Newbeck. At Kyle Newbeck is where you can find him on Twitter. Kyle, thanks for hopping on, man. Good to uh, talk to you. Yeah, man. It's been a long time. I hope you had a uh, plenty to eat on Thanksgiving, even if it was a, a different Thanksgiving than we normally have. Yeah, it was, but I, I did. Don't don't worry about that, Kyle. I ate plenty. <laughs> uh, I hope you did as well. Um, so thanks for hopping on. I wasn't expecting to start by asking about Justin Anderson, uh, but it seems like the Sixers uh, bringing back a familiar face here. Yeah, and you know, I, I think it's, and I just wrote this not that long ago, TK, that it's a, a multifaceted uh, move here. I think, number one, they need some, some beef on the wing, some guys who can defend, who have some athleticism. Uh, I think Anderson, for all his faults as a shooter and, and what have you, I think he certainly offers that. He's going to come in. He's going to compete hard. And then the other part of it, and look, this is a guy, and along with a few other people, who's competing for the 15th roster spot. Uh, he's one of Joel Embiid's closest friends that he's played with. And, you know, last year, Joel was very obviously unhappy most of the year, not just because the on-court fit was so bad, but because a lot of the guys he was tight with in a lot of different ways had moved on. So, you know, it's it's something that placates the big fella, which is always a good thing. And, you know, he's a, a at the very least, he's a guy who will come in, compete hard, and and that's good during a, a weird training camp preseason period that they'll have. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the Sixers kind of – it seems like they're kind of trying to get back to – what they had a few years ago as far as surrounding Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Uh, as far as the overview of the offseason so far, Kyle, what do you think of what Daryl Morey has done to this point? I think he's done a great job. You know, you look at the roster now, that they certainly still, I, I think they're probably missing, they need like some sort of high-level guard or playmaker that is not on the roster yet. That's probably a deadline move later, unless Tyrese Maxey is, you know, an absolute killer in year one. But this is a team that's going to go as far as Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can carry them. And so with that that in mind, now you have, you know, Seth Curry, one of the best shooters in the league. Danny Green has been a great 3 and D guy, was just on a championship team. They bring in Dwight Howard as depth. You know, you're, you're getting a, 
a high quality backup from Embiid, albeit an old one. And, you know, there are maybe some health concerns there, but a guy who can come and give you high level minutes behind Embiid without having to pay a hundred million dollars like they were doing with, uh, Val Horford. And I just think this team makes a lot more sense. They have some more future flexibility. They didn't have to give up any crazy, you know, future picks or anything to get to this point. And now we're going to see, okay, you know, people like to say, Ben and Joel with shooters, and that's all you need. We're going to see that taken to sort of its logical extreme here. And I think by the end of this year, TK, we're going to really start to see, you know, is this a viable partnership long term? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that that's the question that needs to be answered, obviously, for the long term with this team. And, you know, you bring in Doc Rivers, and it's going to be interesting to see him with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Uh, how do you think Doc's style will mesh in terms of getting Embiid and Simmons and getting the most out of them moving forward here? So I, I think Doc is certainly a really good offensive coach. He's had, you know, top 10 offenses for most of the last decade. A lot of that is, you know, he had Chris Paul in L.A., then he has this past season he's got Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. But I, I think you're going to see a lot more pick and roll this year. I think, you know, that's certainly not Simmons' strength. Like, he can't really run that with Joel Embiid unless he takes a leap forward as a shooter. But in those lineups where it's just Joel Embiid and, you know, some guards on the floor, and when it's just Ben Simmons with smaller guys around him, they're going to be able to use him as a role man some more. I think they're going to stick Joel at the elbows a little bit more. We saw, you know, end of last season under Brett Brown, Ben Simmons was initiating some more from the elbow. I think that might be some... Something you might see under Doc Rivers, I, I think they're not going to overcomplicate anything. Like Doc's overall overarching philosophy is to keep things simple, let your players make plays, and you know I, I think he's certainly going to put them in a, a better position to succeed this year. Yeah, and as you said, Kyle, it is going to come down to to Ben and Joel, and as far as this team goes, is basically as far as those guys take them. Take them now. You know, you look at Joel and. I think it's kind of fair to say a bit of a disappointing year last year doesn't make any All-NBA teams. The reports are that he's motivated, that he's ready to go. I know we've heard this kind of thing before. Um, do you think that Joel Embiid can come back and finally kind of have that MVP caliber season that we've been waiting for the last couple of years? He definitely could. And, you know, to your point, though, TK, I was expecting that last season. Right. I saw it after the, the Raptors' defeat. And, you know, he, everybody remembers him walking off the floor and visibly crying. And he's really broken up about coming so close to beating the eventual champions and not accomplishing that goal. And then he comes back. And, you know, last season, a lot of their road struggles, I would attribute to him. He just, he wasn't the leader that this team needed on a lot of different levels. They, they played down the competition. They didn't bring it on the road, et cetera, et cetera. And I think a lot of that stemmed from him and not being happy last year. So I would like to believe, and I think certainly he's got the talent to put up an MVP caliber season. Like, a, you know, I don't know that he's going to come out this year and be the MVP of the league, but I think he has that kind of talent. And, you know, when he strings stretches together where he's healthy and he's motivated, he's absolutely been in that conversation. So, you know, that should be, if it hasn't been said already, it should be said at some point during camp or the preseason. Doc Rivers, Daryl Morey, whoever needs to say it, that that's the level he has to be at. He has to be in that very top tier of players 
around the league. And it can't just be for national TV games. It can't just be against, you know, rivals and good teams. It's got to be every single night, and he's got to be dragging these guys to victory. Right, and you'd hope that without Al Horford, you know, that can kind of free him up a little more. How surprised, and I guess how uh, impressed were you, Kyle, that, that Maury was able to get rid of Al Horford so quickly here? I wasn't actually that surprised. I think I would have been shocked if they had moved Tobias Harris right. because I think he had a tougher contract to, to trade just because it's, it's worth more. It's more years. And Horford had a, he's got some non-guarantees on the final year of his deal. I think there's probably still some places that they can talk themselves into Al Horford being a, a valuable contributor. You know, the speed, though, obviously, they, they – they got rid of him pretty quickly, and that was after Daryl Morey saying out front in his first press conference, like, we're not going to make a move just to make a move. We're going to do it when it's, it's best for the team. Um, you know, I think that first-round pick they gave up in that deal, the, we'll have to keep an eye on that. If things go south here over the years, that obviously might be more valuable than it looks right now. But, you know, to get Danny Green, a guy who's won everywhere he's been, to just get off of the Horford deal – and to put a team on the floor that makes a heck of a lot more sense, I thought that was a pretty much a no-brainer from their perspective. Yeah, and you, now you look at the guy who's kind of coming in to assume Horford's role as the backup center. Obviously, uh, less of of won't won't play at the same time as Joel Embiid, I'd imagine. But I was kind of surprised to see Dwight Howard brought in here. Uh, how do you think that's going to work, Kyle? Do you, do you, do you like that move of bringing Dwight Howard? And do you? kind of worry about the negative effect I guess he could have on Joel Embiid? So if, it, if this had been last season and we didn't have the uh, Lakers championship year to right. go on with Dwight, I absolutely would be just scratching my head at this move. I think the fact that he came in to L.A. last year and really was in like an emergency situation, they had signed – DeMarcus Cousins and Dwight Howard, the only reason he got a deal is because Cousins got hurt and they were looking, they were, you know, looking for anything, looking for any kind of depth uh, at, behind Anthony Davis. And Howard came in and he was, by all accounts, a, a good soldier last year. There were some nights where he had to play, you know, 25, 30 minutes. There were a lot of nights where he's playing 10 to 15 and he's just starring in that kind of role. And when we talked to him on Wednesday, TK, I, he spoke like a guy who really has, you know, benefited from the failure and the experiences that he's gone through in his career. This is a guy that has dropped the ego that sort of understands like, you know, at this point in his career, he just wants to try to win titles and he wants to try to support Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, all these guys in any way he can. He, he's not coming in here thinking he's going to stat pad. He's not coming in here thinking he's the man. He's coming to play a role. And, you know, that version of Dwight Howard, he's a guy that, you know, he's always been in shape. He's always been good at the things he's good at. So as long as he's in the right uh, mental state and as long as he is able to stay healthy, which was a challenge for him for a while, I think that'll end up being a great signing for them. Yeah, I mean, he was good last year. It is just funny uh, to me thinking that Dwight Howard is coming in to provide like veteran championship oh, leadership. You know, that, <laughs> that part of it is just, uh, you know, I didn't foresee that coming at any point in his career, uh, but it is pretty funny. A couple more for you, Kyle. Um, you brought him up earlier, Tyrese Maxey. Uh, what do you see from him, and do you think at any point this season he could kind of develop and be kind of a guy they can rely on off the bench? I think the best-case scenario for them this year is if he turns into 
that like sixth man type guard that can be their spark off the bench because, you know, that means they don't necessarily have to go out and get a guy like that down the stretch at the trade deadline to, to beef this team up. Now, I think that might be unrealistic, but I really liked what I saw out of Maxi at Kentucky, despite the fact that, you know, he didn't shoot as well as I think he's capable of shooting. Uh, but the team believes in him. They, I, I know he shot well from the free throw line. I know his numbers maybe as a high school player with Team USA and so on and so forth are a little better there. I think he's a great attacker. I think he's a guy who's going to get to the rim and has great touch around the rim. I think he's a, a dog on defense. I think Philly fans are going to take to him you know, pretty much immediately because he's going to go out there and you know, whoever you're going to put him up against, he's going to get in their chest and – now, I, in that way, I think they'll resonate with him like a, a T.J. McConnell. I think he's a much more talented, better player than McConnell. But, you know, he's the kind of guy, the kind of kid that I think Philadelphia will love. And I think there's plenty of upside there if, and, you know, it's still an if at this point, he's able to turn himself into a capable shooter. Yeah, and one more here, Kyle. As you know, Daryl Morey is known for making big splashes, making big moves. You know, James Harden's name's been out there. Would you expect any big moves uh, coming before the season starts, or do you think this is kind of at this point the squad that they're going to go um, into the season with? I think it's the latter. I think they're. I wouldn't say they're content. You know, if if a James Harden deal for like basically nothing falls out of the sky to them. They're certainly not going to say no to an opportunity like that. Outside of that, I think they want to see what they have. I think Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey have both said from the very beginning that they're in evaluation mode. Like they very much want to see, you know, what do we have? What does it look like now that we've changed the roster and, and, and Doc has been able to implement his offense, his vision for the team a little bit. So we're going to see what happens. And, you know, I think the closer that we get to the trade deadline, that's when you'll probably start hearing some more rumors and, and maybe some targets that these guys want to uh, put this group over the top. Well, good stuff, Kyle. Kyle Newbeck, Philly Voice, Sixers reporter. Uh, thanks for hopping on, Kyle. Good to catch up, man. Thanks for having me. Stay safe, TK. Yep, you too. Take it easy. So that's Kyle Newbeck. Thanks to him for jumping on for a few minutes. Uh, you can find him at Kyle Newbeck on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, some interesting stuff. And, you know, the season's coming up in a couple weeks here. Um, I'm excited for it. I, I, I've missed basketball uh, so much. I enjoyed the bubble um, a, a ton, and I- I'm excited to get the Sixers back. And this is an interesting team, uh, and one that that I think you know could. I don't know if they can contend for a title this year. I, I think that's asking a lot, but I think they're going to be fun to watch. Um, I think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are in much more of a position to succeed now than they were last year. Um, the way that team was built last season by uh, Brett Brown, Elton Brand, you know, whoever else in the front office was in charge, we still don't know exactly who made what decision and who was ultimately responsible for, you know, all these moves being made. But Daryl Morey has come in and immediately kind of brought this team back to where they were or a semblance of what they were you know, in 2017, 2018, uh, when it was that group of, of Covington and Sarich and a young Ben Simmons, young Joel Embiid, with shooting around them. Um, and obviously the pieces are are different as far as the names, um, but it's that kind of team now. And uh, the kind of team that I think will 
enabled Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to flourish. And that's obviously the biggest thing because Sixers will only go as far as those two guys take them. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. 215-592-9494. When we get back, we will kind of reset some of the Eagle stuff we've been discussing. And, you know, we were talking about the offensive line earlier and Jordan Mulata. Uh, not playing left tackle the past few weeks as he sit behind J- sat behind Jason Peters, and now Lane Johnson is done for the year. Jason Peters will move to right guard, and Jordan Mulata will come back in at left tackle. But, uh, you know, this has, I think, already had a negative effect on Jordan Mulata's long-term development, where this is a guy you need to play. And the Eagles should have known that more than anybody. Uh, we'll talk about that a little more when we return. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Joe Giglio, Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP, I'm Tom Kelly, in for Joe Giglio on a Friday night. Uh, we've been pretty jammed up on the phones tonight, but there we have open lines for the first time, really. If you want to get in, now would be a good time. 215-592-9494 is how you uh, join the show. Uh, to kind of recap a couple things we've been discussing throughout the course of the night, uh, obviously Carson Wentz and... Uh, his play this year, and uh, we'll get into that uh, in a little more detail um, as we finish the 8 o'clock hour, going to the 9 o'clock hour here. Um, as far as whether a change could be made, uh, because I, I, I don't think it's impossible. I think at this point, it's almost not even a question of, of if, but a question of when. Uh, and, you know, it could very well happen on... Monday night, we had Elliot Shore Parks on earlier, um, and you know I thought Elliot made a good point in terms of whether the Eagles would want to do that on Monday night football as an organization that is, you know, kind of catered to Carson at many different turns and been, you know, I think at times overly considerate and overly worried about his feelings, uh, but I, I think it's getting to a point where you might not have a choice. If things go as poorly on Monday night as they've gone so far, um, I, I think you might be left uh, with no choice but to make that move. So so we'll get into that a little more as we go throughout the show. Um, also, I've been asking for a, for, you know, a, a, a ruling here on a little dispute that I've been having with my wife uh, as we are having uh, our first child in March and we're getting all the, the stuff ready for the baby and doing all this stuff and we're moving next weekend. It's, it's just a lot of stuff going on. Um, but we, part of, part of that is doing the, the registry and you know, I, I came up with the idea that we put a PlayStation five video game system on the registry. And I've been soliciting, uh, calls to kind of uh, see if I'm in the right or the wrong here. So far, not going great for me. Uh, not many people taking my side. But, um, you know, my reasoning is that this is something that, that my child at some point will use. Maybe not immediately, but I'm thinking in the long term. Because that's what I try to do. I try to have the longest view in the room, as Sam Hinkie would say. And at some point, this is something that, that you know, is probably going to get used by by a child. Um, until then, will I use it? Maybe. I can't say for sure. Uh, probably. But 
you know, I'm I'm just 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 floating it out there to see if uh, that's something that would be appropriate to put on a, a baby registry. Um, my wife says no. Pretty much everybody uh, that I've asked has said no. But um, I'll continue to ask and see if I get some support. Uh, guessing probably not. Um, and also talking about the Eagles' offensive line issues. And if you want to get in, 215-592-9494. And, you know, it's kind of the way we started the show. As Jason Peters, or rather Lane Johnson... If you didn't hear earlier on, um, Lane Johnson is finished for the year. He sustained an ankle injury, uh, and which he's been dealing with all season long, and we've kind of seen that. And we have seen Lane Johnson um, struggle on that ankle. He hasn't been the same player. He's missed practice time, come in and out of games, and the Eagles have finally shut him down with, with what seems like a somewhat serious injury, one that will require surgery. And now, Jordan Mulata will go back into left tackle. Jason Peters will move back to right guard. And this bothers me even more. Not that they're making this move, but the fact that this move should have been made weeks ago. Because look at the uncertainty now on the Eagles' offensive line moving forward, and especially the two tackle positions. You already have a hole at left tackle. Jason Peters is not going to be back here to play left tackle next year. There's no doubt about that. But you don't know about Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard, through two years, is basically going to end up getting no playing time. Didn't play barely at all last year. Started, I think, three games to it. Left tackle, one at right tackle. Um, and the, the right tackle experiment didn't go well at all. But Andre Dillard did not get much experience last year. Gets hurt in training camp this year. He'll go into his third season. With virtually no experience. Jordan Mulata, you could have used to get ready this season as an insurance policy. If Andre Diller wasn't ready, or if Lane Johnson wasn't healthy. And this bothers me even more now, that you wouldn't play Mulata to think about the long-term future of your organization. Where you knew Lane Johnson is dealing with an ankle problem. You know that Lane Johnson, who knows? He may never be the same. He may not be right next year. You know, he might come back next year and and deal with more issues with that ankle. You look at a guy like Brandon Brooks. I love Brandon Brooks, but, you know, he sustains one serious injury. And once you sustain one, it seems more likely that you're going to get another one. Whether it's the same leg, whether it's the other leg, whatever it is, you overcompensate. And now Brandon Brooks is a guy who's dealt with uh, multiple you know, tears uh, of his Achilles, you know, has sustained serious injuries, and who knows if the same thing could be happening to Lane Johnson. This is a year that you could have had Jordan Mulata getting ready, and he missed valuable developmental time. And what bothers me is the Eagles organization should understand this more than any other. Because I, I brought it up to Rob Ellis during our crossover. But look at the situation that the Eagles went through with Halapuli Vadi Vaitai, Big V, uh, back in 2016. If you remember that year, Lane Johnson was dealing with his suspension at the time, his 10-game PED suspension. Big V has to come in as a rookie and play right tackle. It was really bad. Uh, he was not good at all that year. And um, he, he, got, he got beat up. Uh, many of those games. 
And, you know, many people thought he couldn't play, whatever. Comes back next year as a reserve. What happened in 2017? Jason Peters goes down in the middle of the season with an injury. Big V comes in and plays very well that season. The reason he played very well in 2017 was because he got that experience in 2016. He needed that experience to get him ready for those, uh, you know, to take on a starting role. You had the opportunity to get Jordan Mulata prepared, and instead you prioritized playing an older player in Jason Peters who has no future here. And this is the troubling thing, is that the Eagles still haven't learned, haven't learned their lesson in this regard. And, you know, you look at Jason Peters and how the Eagles have catered to him, I don't even know if Jason Peters would have moved if Lane Johnson didn't go down. Like, if Lane Johnson's season wasn't ended, I don't know if Jason Peters would have moved over to right guard. I mean, we know the Eagles probably didn't tell him. You know, they probably needed his permission because they they catered to Jason Peters more than they catered to anybody in this organization. But we know how concerned they are with Jason Peters' move or Jason Peters' mood. And the way I look at this, I think th- I think this took some finessing for the Eagles to move him back, which is crazy and ridiculous that they need to get a player's approval. But Lane Johnson goes out and he's done for the season. They probably you know asked him and said, "We need your experience on that side because they're so scared to irritate him," um, which is ridiculous. Jason Peters has been below average this year. I mean, this year he's been off. The last two years have been below average. And it's it's a problem with priorities. Where Mulata should have been a left tackle the whole time. Just like a guy like Alshon Jeffrey shouldn't be on the field. And, you know, uh, we've been talking about the Eagles and them just having their priorities all mixed up. As far as them prioritizing playing guys with high salaries and players they drafted high instead of players who are going to be here long-term that need to develop. And, you know, I think the perfect illustration of that was Doug Peterson talking about Alshon Jeffrey earlier on this week. Here was Doug uh, discussing Alshon and his envisioning of a role for Alshon moving forward. Well, right now he's, uh, you know, he he is a part of the offense. He's a part of uh, what we've done, the success we've had here. And, um, you know, he is coming off an injury. And uh, we do have to get him in the game a little bit more. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, again, that's on me to get him in the football game and, and uh, also, also Hightower at the same time. So, um, you know, you also knew that uh, J.J. was not available in this football game and, and um, you know, Quez was down. So um, Alshon was, uh, was up and active for, for this game. I mean, it's just insane. When you see the way Alshon Jeffrey has performed in the two games since returning, and your conclusion is we got to get him involved more? That's not the answer. We all know that. Doug knows that. Alshon Jeffrey is playing because of what he makes. And that's pretty simple. It has nothing to do with his production on the field. Nothing to do with what he can do as far as helping this team now or in the future. It's because of what he makes. And this has ramifications down the line. That you're not getting developmental time now for Hightower and Watkins, and even Ortega Whiteside when he's good to go. As bad as he is, I'd rather see him on the field than Alshon Jeffrey. Just speaks to the Eagles and this organizational 
problem that they have. And it's becoming even more evident this season every week we go along as they play Peters, they play Alshon, they play these guys who provide no benefit short-term or long-term just because of what they make, just because of what they did three years ago when it shouldn't be about that. It should be about what's going to help the team now and what's going to help the team down the line. 215-592-9494 if you want to get in. Let's go to Steve in Tampa. What's up, Steve? Ah, uh, doctor. Good evening. Good evening, Steve. How are you doing down in Tampa? Oh, just one hundred eighty-two degrees. Beautiful day. That's nice. Um, first of all, um, I, I got to tell you that when you have a shower and you're putting articles in, the most important, and I've found this out over time, is um, Johnny Walker. And you have a label on it which is used as necessary for the baby or for you or your wife. Well, but but that's that's not for the baby, Steve, at all. Oh, I, sure I th- it is. Absolutely. How so? Right out. What? You, so you're What's you, the right you would to sleep? Well, you would uh, you would give your children alcohol, Steve? I've done that already. My oh, wife's wow. done that already. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is appropriate. All the night, and you know, you got to get sleep. Well, you know that. Come on, on radio. Steve, you, well, you, Steve, you know I don't sleep. You, you know I'm up uh, overnight all the time. Do I drink? I, I, I'll have a couple beers from time to time. Oh, well, beer is exceptional, too. Yeah. yeah I mean, beer, wine, liquor, whatever. But I'm also uh, not going to feed the feed the beer to to child. Oh, I'm always joking around. I know, St- I know, Steve. I know. Jeez. You guys up there. Um, all right. Here we go. If he, in my opinion, of course, if the Eagles don't make a change of quarterback and everything goes as is, they, um, when I say they, I mean the organization from ownership down, are going to be the laughing stock, not only the NFL, but of all these uh, talking sports heads because Peterson, Howie, Lurie, nobody did nothing uh, unless. Unless they told Doug to do something and he didn't do it, then I assume he'd be fired right away. So I am assuming nobody said nothing. Uh, And um, I am sure if you talk to other sports stations across the country, they will tell you exactly the same thing. Because just saying it down here, 900 miles away, you know, what's wrong with the Eagles? What's wrong with the Eagles? And now they're going to be on prime time Monday night. So the entire country is going to. Go nuts Tuesday morning. Don't you guys do this? Well, so so what are you saying, Steve? You're saying they should make a change now? I am saying if they don't make a change, they will be the laughing stock of the NFL and all of the media, especially if they screw up Monday night. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and the odds are they probably will. They, if they were going to, listen, if they were going to, in my opinion, of course, if they were going to do something, they would have done it already. I mean, you, you go from uh, 2017, like an earlier caller said, downhill 18, downhill 19, downhill 20. I don't know how many wins they have over the last three years, but uh, I will bet you dollars to donuts, that's an old saying, that uh, the, the winning has gone down, and the worst thing was, they won the last four games last year, and everybody, most of the talent on this radio station says, oh, boy, we're going to get ready for next year. You know, they won the last four. They made the playoffs. 
Um, we're going to have a hell of a year. And even um, Elliot said, well, look, New York Giants got a first-year coach. Dallas, <laughs> Dallas has a first-year coach. Washington has a first-year coach. And here we have the Eagles with a guy and a quarterback today together for four or five years. They're going to, they're going to just wipe off the, the division this year. Uh, wrong. No, I got I got you, Steve, and I, I appreciate the call. Um, you know, the Eagles. I, I don't think they're going to make a change before Monday night. Carson Wentz, I do believe, will start this game. I mean, Doug sounded very. Uh, I mean, non-committal. We'll actually play the sound when we get back here of uh, Doug and when he was asked about Carson starting the game because I, I don't know what was going through Doug's head answering the question the way he answered it. Um, it whether he was intending to make a change or not, the way Doug answered that question just made absolutely no sense. But um, Carson Wentz, I am fully convinced, will start the game Monday night. I am not convinced Carson Wentz will finish the game Monday night. I do think there is a chance that he gets pulled in this game. And uh, we'll talk about that a little more in depth. I'll let you know exactly why I feel that way. Coming up next, and also why I don't think that would necessarily be the worst thing for Carson Wentz, you know, as far as being benched and the quote-unquote negative effect that it would have on him, I'm not sure it would have such a negative effect. So we'll get into that. I also see Chris is there. We'll talk to Chris first uh, when we get back as well. 215-592-9494. I'm Tom Kelly in for Joe Giglio. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Sports Radio 94 WIP. I'm Tom Kelly. In for Joe Giglio on a Friday night. If you want to get in, open lines 215-592-9494. That's how you join the show. Uh, We had Elliot Shore Parks on to talk Eagles. Kyle Newback on to talk Sixers. Uh, And at the top of the hour, we will have Tim Kelly on um, to talk about the Phillies as their offseason. I guess continues, gets underway. They haven't really done anything yet. Uh, But Tim... uh, Editorial director Phillies Nation will join us in the next segment to talk a little bit uh, about the Phils. We we've been talking about the Eagles' offensive line tonight, and I I do have to mention a positive milestone in regards to the offensive line. Jason Kelsey is going to be making his 100th consecutive start on Monday night, and that is just so impressive. Um, I remember a while back, I think it was on the morning, I think I was filling in for Rhea on the morning show uh, when I was working with John and Al, uh, which is always fun just because John and I just make it our 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 goal to annoy Al as much as possible uh, when we're working with him. But um, we, we were doing a topic, something you were wrong about, and... The topic that I was, uh, the the thing that I brought up as being most wrong about is Jason Kelsey. I I thought back in 2017, like after the first two weeks of the season, I thought Jason Kelsey was done. Uh, If you remember, it was that Super Bowl year, the Eagles lost in Kansas City week two to Andy and the Chiefs. The Eagles could not run the ball at all that game. Uh, I think they had something like, it was some kind of pitiful yards rushing, like like under 10 yards or something like that. And I thought Jason Kelsey was done. I thought he was a major issue. And he's only gone on to, you know, be the best center in football over the last, you know, four years. So uh, that's when I was wrong on. And Jason Kelsey making his 
100th consecutive start on Monday night. And, man, with what's been around him this year on the offensive line, he still played pretty well. Uh, even with a bunch of interchangeable parts, a bunch of players surrounding him that don't have a lot of experience, uh, Jason Kelsey's an unbelievable player and has had another very, very impressive year. 215-592-9494. Uh, let's go to Chris in Dover. What's up, Chris? TK, what's up? How's it going, man? Just, just listening to you, and uh, this is from an outside fan looking in that lives in the area. I mean, Eagles, Steve's so right. They're closer to being really bad. Like it, the whole bottom is, is on its way falling out. I mean, who did they beat this year? They beat the Giants, the Redskins, and tied the Bengals, right? Uh, yeah, they beat the Giants. No, they beat the Giants. They beat um, the 49ers with a backup quarterback in there. And they beat uh, they beat Dallas with Ben DiNucci, a quarterback. Right. I mean, it, just what you said, they beat, you know, three teams. And, and Daniel Jones almost had a 90-yard touchdown run out of a quarterback. Not, not Lamar Jackson or Kyle Murray. And, and Cincinnati stinks. They're, they're, they stink. And, I mean, when you look at the whole, it's just mind-boggling. Like, get your voice, between the O-line, when you go position by position, the O-line is a total shambles, the way they've handled it. Running back, Sanders and Scott, I, I think, are pretty good, really. I mean, he's made some mistakes, been hurt, but I think Sanders is good back. He is. Uh, the receiving core, like you said, Alshon Jeffrey, the key thing, the key word in that statement from Doug was, was. A big part of the team. Not is or is not going to be. Was. All he's doing now is stealing money. And and there's no receiving core. And then the defense and Jim Schwartz, you got three guys on a defense that are overpaid 10-plus a year doing nothing. And the linebacking core... You know, it's it's not a priority. What NFL team doesn't prioritize linebackers? There is none. And then just secondary, forget it. Who do you got? I got. We all knew Jason Mills going into the year was no way can't play, couldn't play cornerback, much less turn him into a safety. And and what's his name? Who's the other guy? Darius Slay. Yeah, they don't go at him. But I mean, what what has he really shown? I mean, you're you're painting a really bleak picture here, Chris. You're painting a really bleak picture of this team. It's bad from top to bottom, and there's a multitude of reasons. And I don't think you can just point on one thing. But you don't think it would look, Chris? You don't think it would look significantly different if they had just gotten somewhat of adequate quarterback play this year? Like Carson Wentz has played like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. He has. Yes, I agree with you there. Yes, he has. Well, I mean, you look at the games this season, Washington, Cincinnati, and um, I'm trying to think of the other game that, that uh, I'm, I'm blanking on here. Cleveland. But Washington, yeah, Washington, Cincinnati, and Cleveland. Thank you. If you get just somewhat adequate quarterback play in those games, you win all three of those games, and I do think we view this team a lot differently. I don't disagree with you. It's hard to diagnose. I, I agree with you there. It's hard to diagnose what exactly, yes, that is a fact. I agree with you there. But I also feel like the rest of the team that positions have 
vastly underwhelming too. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely, Chris. No doubt. I mean, it's not a good team, and I appreciate the call. I'm not saying this is – I said coming into this year, this was an 8-8 eight and eight team I did not expect to make the playoffs, even with the expanded playoffs. I just did not believe that this was a, a, a playoff-caliber team. Um, that being said, I didn't think this division was going to be the worst division in the history of sports. Uh, and this is not a Super Bowl contending team. But they should be much better than they are, and they would be if they just got somewhat of competent quarterback play. Seriously. And you look at their 3-6-1. and one. If you just get average, just average standard quarterback play against Washington, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, those are three more wins. And I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying it, it makes things a whole lot better. But you're six and four if that's the case, and I don't think that's a crazy statement to make. Uh, and I, I do expect more out of Carson Wentz, man. I do. Um, and no, everything around him is not perfect, but he's got to be better. And I think the coach knows he's got to be better as well. And when we talk about whether he could potentially be sat down, you know, I think there is a possibility that happens on Monday night if he does not play well. Um, and a large part of the reason why I believe that is just listen to what Doug says. Now, Doug said earlier in the week, when asked about Jason Peters and whether Jason Peters would be at left tackle, here was Doug's response. Even before Jason Peters left the game yesterday, it seemed like he wasn't playing uh, at a very high level. What did you make of his performance as he your left tackle moving forward? Yeah, he's our left tackle moving forward. And look, uh, there, there was, there was, uh, there were a lot of things that, uh, you know, several things that sort of stood out after watching the film. You know, from a, a number of positions and um, not just one specific uh, spot or aspect of the game offensively. Now, that's pretty definitive. Doug saying that Jason Peters isn't going to move from left tackle. Now, a few days later, Jason Peters is moving from left tackle and is moving to right guard. So you can't take necessarily what Doug says at face value. I don't know if it's gamesmanship. I I don't know what exactly his motives always are. But, you know, he said one thing Monday and it's Friday and everything is, is different. And Jason Peters is going to move. Now, he was definitive in that statement. This was an odd back and forth here on Wednesday at the press conference uh, when Doug is asked about Carson Wentz and whether he's going to start on Monday night. Here was Doug Peterson. Go ahead, Tim, and then Bo. You're not making that move, right, Doug, to a different quarterback? Not today on Wednesday, no. Okay, possibly for, for Monday? Um, I'm focused right now on getting better today. I okay. mean, we're looking I, – I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would say no, no, no. Carson's your starter for Monday? Yes. I love at the end. Yes, why not? Um, but that tells you all you need to know. They are thinking about making a change. If they weren't, Doug Peterson wouldn't have answered the question that way. I, I, I don't know what Doug was thinking, to be honest. Like – with all the conversation going on earlier in the week and, and 
yes, they do know what is being talked about. I guarantee you. Um, for Doug not to be ready for that question is baffling to me on on a number of different levels. Um, and I do believe Carson will start on Monday night, but there's going to be a quick hook. I think like if the Eagles come out and the offense looks like it looked in Cleveland and Carson's playing like he's played recently, I think Doug Peterson is going to make a change. Uh, and it just cleared those two comments. You know, he was ultra definitive on the uh, idea of Jason Peters staying at left tackle. And now Jason Peters is playing right guard, much less definitive on Carson Wentz being his starting quarterback, uh, you know, on Monday night. And I think he will. But um, if this team comes out and plays poorly again, you're going to have to do something because you can't continue like this. And I think if it does get there, uh, Doug will make a change on Monday night um, if he is given the go-ahead by ownership and the front office, which is a whole another issue, but one that I do believe exists. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Scott in Dallas, see you there. We'll get to you right after we discuss um, a little Phillies offseason with Tim Kelly. Uh, we have Tim coming up next, uh, so we will check in with him on everything going on with the Phillies. I'm Tom Kelly, in for Joe Giglio, Sports Radio 94 WIP. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.